Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. talking about the journey, its definition already in our few minutes together, this act of getting from one place to another, we're going to talk about that in the terms of our lives and the growth that we individually are experiencing in this progress. No one has arrived. No one on earth is a finished work. God is continually working and growing us and changing us. It is ongoing. And isn't that a relief to know? I mean, do you ever have that faulty thinking where you look at this family you admire or you you see an individual that you're looking up to and you're like, they have it all figured out. I'm convinced. I'm the only one over here floundering. Anybody else? I remember telling a young mom when I was in the early years of my mothering, I said to this friend, I bet you never yell at your children because she had that sweet, you know, persona about her, gentle. She had seven children, and I assume she never yelled at any one of them. <laughs> and she said, Renee, of course I yell at my children. I, I mean, yes, I'm not proud of it either, but yeah, I've been there. We all are works in progress. Have you ever heard the expression, joy on the journey? You ever heard that? The first time I saw those words used together, I wasn't so convinced. I'm like, I don't know if I can get on board with joy in the journey. I'm a a goal-oriented person. I like done. Progress, incomplete, not so much. Write my list, check off each item, satisfied. Anybody, Anybody read me here today? I struggle with the incomplete. I just, I struggle with it. Um, I wonder if you have trouble relating that there's joy in the progress, that there's something to be embraced even though it's incomplete. Embracing this process, this journey, it doesn't mean that the fragmented things in our lives get unnoticed or overlooked or magically disappear. That doesn't happen. I mean, we all have fragmented things, and, and as a result, this brokenness that comes through relationships or comes through Uh, job uncertainties or health concerns. I mean, these things touch all of our lives and we lack definition as a result and and we so desperately want things to be complete and understood. And so what we're left with with this journey is this call to step out in faith, simple obedience. And Pastor John has said here recently that it's our natural inclination to say, well, I want full understanding and then... I'll step out in obedience. But he said that's not how it works, that understanding follows obedience. But I think today's message is going to be a comfort for you. And I say that because I'm learning that God doesn't evaluate the goal the same way I do, that he has a different perspective. In fact, I'm going to jump out in faith here and say he gets crazy excited over you right now, in the progress, and on the journey. And you may be thinking, Renee, I, I don't even know if God's aware of my circumstances. I mean, things are, they're not looking great right now. And I'm kind of questioning where he is, 
And I certainly don't think there's anything worthy of his celebration. But I, I want to debunk that with the word of God. David, who was king of Israel for 40 years, he was in that place of leadership and selected by God. But this was a man that knew a lot of brokenness. He knew a lot of hard times. I mean, even before he was put in the position of king, he was a hunted man, like an animal. Men were chasing him down to kill him. He knew highs and lows. And because he was artistic with words and expression, there's so much poetry. He, he wrote so many of the Psalms. And I particularly want to look at Psalm 139 today. And it's just an amazing expression to debunk this thought that you may have, and we, we may all experience those kind of thoughts on the journey that I don't think God's aware of what I'm going through right now. And I, I can't imagine he has any cause for celebrating where I am in the present. But David wrote these words, and I'm so thankful he did. Psalm 139, starting in verse 1, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. God knows you. Number one, God knows you. And he wrote, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. You understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. And not only does God know you, but he's present with you. We've been talking about his presence already in the time of our praise and singing to God. Starting in verse 5, David continued to write, You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Where I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. So wherever we are in the spectrum of highs and lows of life, God is present. And sometimes we've just got to rehearse that truth. It can be head knowledge and not heart knowledge. Keep rehearsing it if you're not convinced. Keep digging in scriptures such as this one. Number three, not only does God know you, not only is he present with you, but imagine this, he knows every single moment of your life before it even occurs. Verses 16 and 17 of the same chapter, David said, You saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd even seen the light of day. The number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment, you're thinking of me. And God celebrates you right now in these moments where his thoughts are upon you. Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, wrote about God's thoughts towards you. He said, thoughts of our pardon, renewal, upholding, supplying, educating, perfecting, and a thousand more kinds perpetually well up in the mind of the Most High. It should fill us with adoring wonder and reverent surprise that the infinite mind of God should turn so many thoughts toward us who are so insignificant and so unworthy. I'm personally acquainted with how God does celebrate where we are in our journeys. 
And this realization came to me in a most unassuming way. I was talking with this young family, and they had their baby girl with them, and they told me she was a brand-new walker. And so I do what, you know, we do to test it out, crouched down low on the floor, and I extended my arms out to sweet baby girl, coaxed her to take those steps, and she does it. Arms outstretched, eyes as wide as saucers, and she reaches my hands. And what do you think I did? I did what you would do. I looked up at mom and dad. I'm like, that's not impressive at all. I mean, the girl's got no grace. I mean, I mean, you're a girl. You should be skipping. That's what I told the little girl. You should be skipping. That's what I did. You would do the same thing. No, I know. We celebrate wildly. I threw back my head. I clapped my hands. It was as though I never knew a small human could walk. But of course I knew she could walk. She's a toddler. That's what they do. They toddle. It's not graceful. They stumble. But they do it one step at a time. And in that moment of that sheer euphoria, where I was celebrating wildly, loudly, that's my nature, <laughs> with baby girl, I heard the Spirit of God speak to my heart. Three simple words. It's quiet. I didn't hear an audible voice, but quiet in my heart, he said, I do that. And I knew exactly what he meant. God, creator of the universe, who spoke everything into being that exists, holds it by the command of his word because he's almighty God, the omniscient one who knows beginning to end, who has infinitely divine wisdom, can relinquish his knowledge in a moment to be fully present in that act of faith and celebrate. Our God does that. Blows my mind too. I hope it blows yours. Blows my mind. But that's how crazy his celebration is. I want us to look at a quick montage of faith in action in the Old Testament. We have many heroes of the faith, starting with the father of our faith, Abraham, in creating a nation that would become a people set apart to himself. God called Abraham. And it's recorded about this act of faith Abraham did. It says in Hebrews 11:8, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And so he embraced this mystery, didn't he, when God called him. God told him, I want you to leave your homeland. I want you to leave your father's household. This was unheard of in that time. You were a clan. You became a city. You became a nation. But God called him out of that. And he said, I'm going to lead you somewhere. And Abraham went by faith. But he wasn't alone in the journey. It's recorded for us that during the time, many years in this journey of walking with God, it says that he had a vision in which the Lord said to him, do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. Moving many, many years beyond that, still concerning the people of God, he heard the cries of those who were, all the Jews were in slavery in Egypt, and he called Moses to lead them out. And you've heard it said that Moses being a stutterer, he didn't have confidence that he could be any kind of leader 
for people, and especially not the kind of leader that would go and confront the Egyptian king. And so Moses just said to God, I, don't, I can't do this. And God didn't even entertain Moses' shortcomings or his self-perceived shortcomings. God just said, I will be with you. Don't you love that? Like when you're trying to argue and say, no, you got the wrong address. You dialed the wrong number, God. I'm not your girl. And he, just, he doesn't even care about what we say is the reason why we can't. He just says, I will be with you. And so Hebrews 11:27, by faith, Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And then after Moses' death, Joshua was called by God again to lead, but this time the armies of Israel into this land of inheritance where they would have to conquer the occupied cities. And so Joshua received the word of God, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, these men were challenged to do unthinkable things in their estimation. It was unthinkable. But unthinkable does not mean impossible, does it, church? And God knew that they would have cause for fear. These are life and death situations. So he was aware. You're fearful or you have cause to be fearful. I understand. But God promises he would be with them. And I hope we saw that in that quick little history lesson. Have you ever felt led to do something that God is leading you and, and you just feel like, I'm not, I'm not the one. I cannot do this. And maybe for you, it's extending forgiveness. That's really hard, but it's possible with God. Or maybe you felt called to step out of your comfort zone and share your faith with somebody and, and you're just, you just know I might be a target for mockery, or, but you feel led. And I understand that there are people who are, you know, you're introverted, and that's, that you're, you're just an introverted person. To join a life group would be unthinkable. Why would I want to go sit with people? I can't even say my name if everybody's looking at me. That's not my realm. But you feel called. I remember the day my friend Ruth came up to me and suggested that we run a half marathon together in celebration of our birthday weekend. What kind of celebration is that? I'm just asking. We, we share the same birthday weekend. We had about three months until that time, and she's going to be prepared and, and makes the suggestion, we should do it. And she's got this British accent. It would be so fun, Renee. I'm like, no. No, that's not fun. I've never run that kind of distance, and I, I never even had a desire, so I don't think I'm going to do it. Well, Ruth's husband was on board. He was going to train with her. And then my husband jumps on board, so I'm not going to be the only girl out. So I get that stupid training log off the website, and I look, at the, uh, I look at the last day of running, which is the race day, and I see 13.1. Oh, there it is. You see all my markings on it. If I have a list, I'm going to check off things. So anyway, I look at the 13.1 miles, and I probably even said it out loud, I can't do that. And it's true. I couldn't. I'd never done that. I'd done, I had done half that distance. And when I say running, can we just qualify? I mean jogging. Can we just all agree to that? It's okay. But I want to I teach you what God taught me in that moment of saying, I can't do that. This is going to help you. Because this quiet conversation started in my heart. 
And as I'm looking at 13.1 miles, I hear the Spirit of God just speak to my heart and start teaching me. And he says, Renee, are you, are you scheduled to run 13.1 miles today? And I said, no. Just a quiet conversation in my heart. Don't think I'm weird. This is, this is <laughs> no, not today. And he says, well, what are, you, what are you scheduled to run today? And so I look at the schedule. Oh, it says uh, two, two miles. Can you run two? Yeah. I can run too, yeah. And the Lord says, do what is before you to do today. Be faithful, show up, be present. I'll get you to the 13.1. Is that helping anybody today? Do we just get so bogged down with the future and all that it holds and it doesn't, it doesn't have the definition, and so we just, we just ponder and worry and we get anxious. And that's God's realm. It's all his realm. You and I don't have privilege to the future and what those moments are going to hold, but he's fully present there already. And he just needs us to be present in this moment with him and let him do the work. That's what the journey's about. Let's put some meat on the spiritual concept of faith because faith is like a muscle. And if you don't work it out, it's just going to remain invisible. But with exercising the faith, it strengthens and it bulks up and it produces, it becomes visible. It becomes visible with miracles. Things that we thought were impossible actually come to pass. Oh, I did run slash jog the 13. I did all the training. And um, only one speedwalker passed me. And that was like mile 10. So I don't feel so bad about that. So <laughs> let's put some meat on this faith muscle. Some of you runners are like, you're so pathetic, Renee. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not a competitive person. I just get out there and finish. There is a finisher's crown in heaven for me. It is not a first place, second place. I'm okay with it. All right. I'll get therapy later. Obviously, I'm still dealing with this. One of the New Testament writers had this to say about our journey in light of the heroes of the faith. And we looked at a few of them, but in chapter 11 of Hebrews, the writer says there are just too many examples of people that did this faith journey and they went all in and they went hard after God. Too many for us to look at. But he says this, starting in verse one of chapter 12. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. And Jesus' example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy, joy in the journey, knowing that you would be his. And now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. The phrase I want to highlight from this scripture is fasten your gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. When I read these words, I picture an archer. 
I know nothing about the sport, but I do know that their whole body and mind is engaged as they aim for a target, right? Can you picture it? Um, watch the Olympics later this month. There's the sport of archery in the Olympics. But I love it because faith is like an archer. You're not only seeing the mark, but you're releasing your resources to hit the mark. I'm going to say that again. Faith is not only seeing the mark, it's releasing your resources to hit the mark. And that archer, she doesn't have any available hands for other cases to carry along with her. And you know what I mean by cases. Just in case God doesn't come through, I've got this 401k. Or just in case this person abandons me, I've got, I've got this family. Or just in case I lose this job, I've got that degree. That's not faith. That's options. When we carry around our just-in-cases, having these backup plans is not faith, it's options. And so we want to look at what faith is. And Hebrews 11.1 describes it, defines it, saying, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What kind of definition is that? (laughs) There's so many ambiguous words there. It's like faith means something. Now go and employ that in your life. Now what are we supposed to be confident of? And what is this invisible thing that we are assured of? The faith journey doesn't see everything ahead with clarity. But it sees the one who's on the journey with you. Jesus, we fasten our gaze onto Jesus. So what we're confident in the thing we hope for is actually not a thing. It's the person Jesus. We're confident in our hope. He's the hope of humanity, and he is who he says he is. And what is the thing we're supposed to be confident of, this unseen thing? We're confident And we're assured of God's goodness. And that's something we really have to make sure our faith is growing in. That even though bad things are touching our lives, and there's a lot of mystery in the future, there's a lot that needs definition, and it's not yet there for us. There's bad things, evil prevailing in our world, even as recently as yesterday, on such a large scale as that attack. Even when all of this is going down, we remain assured that God is good and that the character of God doesn't alter with the horrific things that happen. Amen? Following one of these recent mass massacres, I wrote these words, Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's not be discouraged, children of God. The evil at work in the world will never win. The final score is determined, and the blood of Jesus has already secured victory. By the power of his spirit, we will not be shaken, but we, were, we are increasingly vigilant in prayer and in good deeds. This is the assurance we have when bad things happen. Even though evil abounds, and it does, too close to home in many cases, right up on your doorstep, 
right up in your everyday life. I get it. It's there. Still, the character of God remains intact. He is good. David wrote about it. Psalm, tw- Psalm 23 is probably the most recognized scripture. In the message translation, he concludes it saying, For your goodness and love will pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. We are assured of God's goodness, confident in Jesus and assured of the hope we have with God's presence. So our journey is one of faith and there are practical things that we can do to strengthen our faith. We got to work this faith muscle out so it's not invisible. And number one, you and I, we want to assess our position. This is between you and your God, your creator and you. And you, you and I need to make these de- a decision that we're either for Jesus Christ or we're against him. There is no middle ground. I mean, there might be middle ground road in Newport News, but there's no middle ground with Jesus Christ. You're either all in or you're all out. And I'm calling out any fence walkers in the room because I was among them at one time, and there was someone preaching a fiery sermon saying, somebody out there is walking the fence. You got one foot in the world, and you got one foot in the things of God, and you think you got it all balanced out, but God will not have it. He's not deceived. And I remember saying, oof, that is me. I am the one guilty of fence walking and got it straight that night with God. This is not your grandma's faith. It's not your girlfriend's faith. It's not your spouse's faith. This is between you and God, and you assess your position. If you're a fence walker, and I know what it is to be a fence walker, I would warn you, you're going to need to choose. You can't keep that up. I don't think it's coincidence that Christ hung on the cross in between two criminals. It's kind of like us. We're either going to be for or against. One of the criminals used his dying breaths to mock Jesus and say, get yourself off that cross. If you're who you say you are, get us off these crosses. And the other used his dying breaths to say, well, I believe that Jesus is holy. I don't think he's deserving of this death as I am. I'm a thief. And he said to Jesus, where you're going to go, I want to be with you. And Jesus said, today you will be with me. That's the promise of salvation. It's presence, eternal presence with God, our Savior. So we assess our position. For some of you, your next step may be receiving that gift of salvation from God. And all you can do is be a good receiver by faith. And maybe you've already made a confession of Christ, but you've never let others know The next step for you may be baptism in water. Make your salvation known to your friends and your family. Let them know that God is changing your life, that he already made you a new creation in Christ Jesus, and he's leading you now on a journey where there's confidence and there's assurance because you're living by faith. So we want to assess our position. Number two, a practical step of growing our faith on this journey is to live connected. It's such a vital part, and we can't forfeit it. 
It's not a personality thing. You cannot live in isolation. I fear for the Christian who thinks that they're too much of a trouble to be in community with others or they won't be accepted. Isolation's the devil's playground. Don't let them have you like that. You need to be in community, and I need to be in community. I want you to know something. In our life groups, I'm talking about here at Lifehouse Church, where it's healthy, it's authentic. It is so common, and those of you that participate know what I'm saying. It's so common to hear us to request prayer as a group and say, pray for me, because I want my faith to grow in Jesus Christ, and I want my relationship with him to deepen That is a normal expression in these authentic life groups. No one has arrived. And we're doing this together. It's so, so important. And that might be your next step in growing your faith, is getting connected, that vital part of this journey. And then thirdly, you want to fix your focus. I want to talk about this in light of a passage Because Peter, who was a friend of Jesus, he shows us how to fix our focus. And the scriptural account comes from Matthew chapter 14. All the followers of Jesus were in a boat at night while he had remained on shore. And it says in the scripture that the waves started to really rise and the winds were, you know, heavy. And and so they're struggling in this boat. And Jesus is coming across the water on foot. That's normal, right? And and they start thinking they're seeing a ghost or something is just really uh, just not right here. And they're fearful. But I like the way the message translation says it. Matthew 14, verse 28. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water talking about fixing our focus, guys. And we learn, according to Peter's request, that we want to take notice of what God is doing. And you and I have to understand that if we desire explainable safety and a God who stays within the limits of man, Jesus won't meet that need because his is the working of the kingdom of God. And it always has been and it always will be supernatural. So we learn through Peter's request to take notice of what God is doing and to act on the word of God because Jesus said to him in response, come on. And so Peter jumped out of the boat and walked on water with Jesus. Now you may be familiar with this account and we just accept it. Yeah, okay, Peter walked on water. But really imagine the scene with me. See yourself as Peter, bracing your frame against the edge of the boat with one arm extended out over the water in the direction of Jesus. And with a blend of fear and excitement, you call to the Lord, is it you? And your ears strain to listen to his voice echoing through the winds until you faintly hear him beckon, come. Now there's no doubt Jesus is there walking on the water in your direction And as the sea mist sprays your face, you study the hardly visible scene a moment longer. And then you look at the inside wall of the boat where you stand. You look at the murky waters on the other side of the boat. And there's no bottom in sight. Another glance in the direction of Jesus. 
We're talking about fixing our focus. Imagine, Peter, heart rate accelerating. You see yourself lifting a foot and then a leg over the side. Your hands hold fast while your breathing deepens and you put your weight against the rocking boat to send your other leg over. And now both legs are wet with the splash of waves. Your eyes strain again to see Jesus in the pre-dawn shadows. And one hand releases. And you're... And and then as this laugh begins to rise from deep within your being, you fully let go and regain your stature and you take the first exhilarating step. You're doing it, actually walking on water with the same uncertainty of as a toddler who launches out from the coffee table into the great unknown. You're alive with possibility. And from that day forward, Peter never took another boat. He only walked on water. No, that's not how it ended at all. (laughs) When he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and he started to sink. And he cried out, Master, save me. And Jesus did not hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand and he said, Faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed back into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched all this go down, they worship Jesus saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Peter employed his faith. He got out of the boat because he saw what Jesus was doing and he acted on the word of God. He wasn't perfect. He looked like a toddler out there. He stumbled. But that's us. And that's God holding out his arms, eager for us to take that step of faith and wildly celebrating with us, even if we are all wet. I imagine Jesus said, get in that boat and don't get my hair wet. No, that would have been me. (laughs) Don't get my hair wet. (laughs) The greatest mystery to be unveiled in our journey is Jesus himself. He is our very great reward. Amen? We're going to wrap up this message on journey today. The goal is not the destination. I'm saying this again for my benefit. The goal is not the destination. I like the way Oswald Chambers writes it. Worship team, you can come. He says, God is not working toward a particular finish. His purpose is the process itself. What he desires for me is that I see him walking on the sea with no shore, no success, no goal in sight, but simply having the absolute certainty that everything is all right because I see him walking on the sea. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.